So all of those factors, the more data you can gather on them, the more you can kind of shift the focus of your message. They include the words you use, the timing, the delivery, all of that you can adjust, you can tweak if you become skilled enough, if you develop your skill. And that's what really moves the needle. And that's when people say like, wow, I can't believe you got through to Ralph. Like no one gets through it. He's just stubborn. No one listens to him. It's like, well, yeah, because I, I understand Ralph. Welcome to The Change Lead, the podcast providing leaders with the insight needed to get things done in a rapidly changing and complex world. Subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. Connect with our community of like-minded leaders on our website, thechangelead.com. Welcome to The Change Lead with your host, Babatope Ipiyumi. Picture this. You lead a team or a project. You have a truly brilliant idea and you need to get this across. This requires effective communication. To discuss this with me is Ryan J. Warriner. Ryan is an author, executive trainer, coach, and professor. Ryan believes upskilling and cross-skilling is the key to unlock potential. In this episode, Ryan and I have a conversation on effective communication for leaders dealing with change. So stay tuned. I'm sure you'll find this valuable. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for joining me today. Really looking forward to our conversation and welcome to the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Perfect. Um, so today we'll be talking about communication, um, what, how you become an effective communica uh, communicator as a leader. Uh, it is particularly important when you're dealing with change. So I'll start with I think what I think is probably a simple question. Why? Why is it important? Why, why is it important for leaders to become effective communication, communicators? What, is, what makes it important? Yeah, that is, that's a, a simple question, but there's many answers to that. And I've thought about this and discussed this many, many times over the years. Communication, as my, my one friend put it in HR, is, is fundamental. And it's, it's an element that everyone needs. But in leadership, it's even, it has an even higher premium. Because if you cannot communicate to others, if others do not understand what you're trying to achieve and how you're trying to achieve it, and what is what your intentions are, what will be best for the organization or what will be best for your team. If you don't have these things in place, then it's extremely difficult to get buy-in, to get support. And you're going to need support because as we know, like nothing in the world is done alone, right? We all, we need others. And on that note, the communication plays probably the strongest role, right? You could have the best ideas in the world. You can have the best change management plan and you can have the best uh, strategic direction planning. But if you don't communicate that to your team, if everyone's not on the same page, then you're not optimizing it. You're, you're not, it will likely not come to fruition. It'll end up a Frankenstein, something that you look back at and think that's not exactly what I had envisioned. How did this happen? Well, because not everyone was on the same page because it wasn't communicated effectively to the pertinent parties. And what I mean by that is it's, I mean, oftentimes, sorry, Babs, I know I'm going on a, a tangent, but this happens. Go, go for it. When you get Ryan J. Warner, you get tangents. That's what happens. <laughs> go for it. So oftentimes, it's not just one message. And that's what people, they overlook. They think, okay, we have a, a plan. Let's say there's a, a change in the organization that's happening. We have a change management plan. We know what needs to be communicated to the employees. Perfect. Let's start pumping out the message. Let's send it out. Let's reinforce it. Let's you know say it. We'll email it, everything. But one of the pieces that's missing is 
it needs to be slightly different depending on the audience, the department, the people who are receiving it. Because not everyone receives and interprets information the same way. And you might think, and, and many leaders do think that I've worked with, well, they should. This is pretty clear. It's pretty plain. Well, yes, they should. But why not? Let's put a little bit of extra effort in and tailor it to them and increase that reception rate. And then when you increase that reception rate, you're doing two things. One, it is becoming a little bit more clear to them. So you're going to get some more buy-in like that. And then two, you're also signaling to them that, hey, you're important for me. You are important to me enough that I change this a little bit for you. I put a little bit extra effort in because I want to make sure that you get it. And that builds rapport. That builds trust. That goes a long way down the road to building a positive winning culture as well. So all of those things together. And apologize again for going off. Yeah, and no, I think that's exactly what this is for, really, is to have a conversation about the, the, this important topic. Um, I like what you said there, it allows you to get buy-in. I totally relate to the fact that it's best to do the extra work to communicate to different audiences differently. Um, something I've done, pre well, I, I do all the time, actually. So you have a, what I call a 10,000-view message. They have a 1,000-view message. So you, you communicate slightly different depending on who you... Because some people, their focus is... What's the dollar value? What's the timeline? For others, is what's the impact? For others, is how will I support this when this goes live? And even though it's the same initiative, it's a different presentation for each audience. So they they get it, they understand the implications. So I totally totally agree with it. Um, it makes you a better leader. Um, I probably go as far as saying for people who work in the organization, probably creates happier lives because they understand what's going on. Um, so mm -hmm. so that's key. Um, it would be good if we could tease this out a little bit with an example. Um, you've probably got loads of examples given the work you do. Um, so I've got an example in mind, and you can come up with, with, with a more specific example if you, if you like. But one area I've seen a lot is in the area of acquisitions, when a company gets acquired by another company, and you know people are working in that organization, or a company is in the process of acquiring another company, there's a lot of uncertainty in that situation. It's a dynamic that creates a lot of tension, a lot of nervousness, a lot of miscommunication. What steps can a leader take in that situation to make sure they're communicating effectively? Well, the first thing the, the new leader who's coming in is going to want to do is they're going to want to familiarize themselves with as, as much as possible, depending on the size of the organization. But they're going to want to familiarize themselves with the, the people, with the departments, with the teams, with the folks that are in there, what, what they do, with what their current understanding of uh, success and what a win looks like for them and their roles. And they need to kind of, you need to be a little bit interpersonally intelligent here. You need to flex your interpersonal skills because the more data, the more information you can gather on them, then the more tailored communication style you can have for them and the more rapport, the more trust you'll have. So at the end of the day, that's, that's the first thing. And again, it's often, I mean, people are, Thankfully, what I've seen is people are coming around to it now. Organizations are starting to, to realize this, and they do. They do spend some time. Now, mind you, sometimes it's a little bit more formal in actual interviews and things like this, which I would prefer a little bit less formal. I think people are more open in a less formal. But um, be that as it may, what ends up happening is they're, they're starting to go into these uh, departments and have these conversations. And once they get to know their audience, once they get to know uh, the folks that they need support and buy-in from, then they can say, okay, I know you were... In the past, you were working towards X, and that was your job, and that's great, and you have great numbers. But moving forward with our new direction, we're going to be shifting towards Y. So what does that mean for you? It means instead of doing you know, priorities A, B, and C, we're going to start prioritizing B, C, and D. 
So A is going to be if you have time type of thing. I'm just making an example. But um, shifting the, the priorities around and then showing them how their contribution fits into the bigger picture. And then showing them how the bigger picture is going to be, let's say, more conducive to success than it previously was. Okay, because changing climate, changing landscape, right? We're going to implement all these. So we are changing. We're implementing rules. You are going to have to change your behavior. And I know change is can be difficult for people. So, you know, not saying anything against that. And this is me talking to the team members. But there's a reason for it. And this is the reason because this is where we're going. And once we get there, this is what it'll be like. Right? So you're really painting the picture and you're connecting the dots for them so they can see that their efforts matter. Because in my experience make work projects and having people just do the same thing every day because it's what they've always done is not motivating. It's not effective. It's, it's not a great inspirational tool to get the most out of your people. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I like that. The, the, the concept you, you, you related, you mentioned there painting the bigger picture because and seeing how your efforts relate to that bigger picture. Um, something else I've noticed is, in dynamics where there's a lot of change happening, leaders can be silent. Um, and when they're silent, I don't know, I'm good to get your thoughts on this. It's almost as if that silence communicates something as well. Because mm -hmm. if you don't communicate the bigger picture, you don't communicate the direction, you don't specify what the new priorities will be or how priorities will be shifting, people can very quickly come up with their own ideas on what the message actually is. And that's always going to be dispersed across the organization. It would be good to get your take on if you've seen that dynamic of silence when communication should be happening and how to watch out for it or what to watch out for in that situation. Yeah, I have an example sprang to mind, an experience I had as soon as you started speaking. I don't know if it's the best example, but uh, early on in my career, this is more than a decade ago now, but I was consulting with an organization and they were doing that. So they were going through a change and it was... I was working with the middle managers at the time and what would happen exactly like you just described the, um, their subordinates, the team that was working underneath them, they were facing a lot of changes and it was coming at them all at once. And it was a big change. It wasn't, it was like, uh, like pay, like lifestyle changes too. It wasn't, it was the, the hours they were going to have to put in and everything was going to be shifted. And obviously, like you say, we, when you leave people to their own thoughts, most people think negative and they think like the worst case scenario and why this is happening. And then it gets contagious. And then, so we, I was in a room with their middle management leadership committee at the time. And that was the first thought that was kind of, if you want to say pitched or, or you know, uh, voiced was, you know what, maybe we should wait till the dust settles. Let's wait a couple of days to see how everyone's doing in their new roles. And then we'll go out and we'll explain to them. We'll have a meeting. We'll talk to them. And we'll tell them what's happening and why and everything. And then there was, to my surprise, because in my head, I'm, I, I'm thinking like, oh, that's not a good idea. And I didn't even know, like I wasn't as experienced as I am now, but I just, I always had a, I always knew people and I, I knew I'm like, that's not going to be good for them. Like that's not going to help them. Um, so I'm like, there's gotta be something better. And, but to my surprise, there was support to that idea. Like two or three others in the room were like, yeah, you know what? That's a good idea. Let's just sit back and let's just chill for a minute. <clears throat> Pardon me. And let's see what happens. And then finally, right as I was about to say, uh, to voice a concern, someone else in the room said, they were like, are you serious? Like if we leave them like this, right. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. Like I said, someone else spoke up because they said, if we leave them like this, they're like, they're going to go home for the weekend and they're going to come in Monday, just dejected if they come in at all. 
and you know, so, um, and I, I, they asked, they said, Ryan, what do you think? And finally I, I said, you know what? I, I a hundred percent agree. Something needs to be said now. I said, we can't, now is the, not the time to hide. Now is the time to, you know, take, take the floor and let them know. And if they don't like it or if they have trouble understanding it, that's okay. We're here all day with them. We'll have as many conversations as we need, but like, it's better that we do this now. And it's better that they know that we're available to them and we avail ourselves to make, so it's a little bit adds a layer of comfort that it's not something that's, you know, going to be just cold and big corporate. Here you go. Change. You're doing this now. See you later. You know, we'll talk to you once a year at the annual retreat type of thing. Like we need to, that that's the bridge that we need to build at this point. Yeah, I think it, it's so important. I think I like the way you positioned it there. Like, even though you did have the experience, you you got people, you understood people, and that's the thing with communication. You need to understand people. Um, there, there was a course I did. This is many years ago on technical writing, and at the beginning of the course, the first thing that was said was, before you do any writing, understand your audience, mm. <laughs> figure out who you, who this piece of writing is for. And then you start. So if you're writing for somebody who's going to support an application, you write for that audience. If you're writing to people who are going to sell the application, it's a completely different kind of writing you're doing for that audience. So I think, and you, something you already mentioned as well, like understand your audience and, and do the actual work to tailor communication to the audience. It would be good to dig into that a little bit better. What specific steps can you take to start understanding an audience? Um, yeah, that's a great question. And I say that's a great question. It's, it's very difficult for me to answer that because it's something that I've always had a knack for. And, and so therefore it makes it made it a little bit more difficult for me to teach. It's kind of counterintuitive. I tell people this all the time. Yes, I'm a, I'm a professor of communication now in addition to my other roles, but I never, people say, well, you must be a great writer. You've written books. You've written, I was never a great writer. Like I, I, I never, I was, could never sit down at the keyboard and the, the words just came to me. That was never how I was able to produce things. I had it the other way where I knew, like you said, I knew people and I knew them enough. I knew what they needed to hear. So it didn't, I didn't have all the language at first. I just knew what, what would move them. I knew what, how their mind worked, how they thought, what would motivate them to make a change to either agree with me or to support something or even just to share information. If someone really needs to know something and they're like a little bit reluctant to, they're avoidant to, to hear it, I know what to say to get it through to them so it lands and then they can take it away with them. I'm kind of using a common a conversational style here more than professional, but anyways, you get the point. So uh, that's how I approach things. And when it comes to different audiences, I one of the things I've pieced out over the years is when I'm, before I'm, even in front of them or before I communicate to them, I think about what's important to them. What's their daily life like? What, like you said, everyone has different different ideas of priorities and personal values. And that's really what it comes down to. And do they prioritize their free time? Is that what's most important to them? Time with their family and their friends? Or is it money? Um, is it making an impact? Is it making a name for themselves, leaving, leaving a legacy? Do they want credit? Like what is most important for them? And then what is their day-to-day -day life? What's their role like? Because if you can make that easier, then there'll be more... Um, they'll be more uh, likely to, to listen to you. You're increasing the odds. So all of those factors, the more data you can gather on them, the more you can kind of shift the focus of your message, include the words you use, the timing, the delivery, all of that you can adjust, you can tweak if you become skilled enough, if you develop your skill. 
And that's what really moves the needle. And that's when people say like, wow, I can't believe you got through to Ralph. Like no one gets through it. He's just stubborn. No one listens to him. It's like, well, yeah, because I, I understand Ralph and I understand what's important to him. And I, and I know what to say. Of course you can't tell the other person that, but in your head, you're like, oh yeah, thanks very much. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I got through to him too. But you're like, yeah, cause I did the work. It's not just, it wasn't just a, like a fluke. Yeah. I think I, I totally agree with that. If you do the work and it, it is work and people, there's no quick fix to this. It's about, like you said, understanding people, taking the data, getting the data points around people, a genuine interest because it's not just from surface as well. Like it sounds like it's a genuine interest in people to get to understand them. Yeah. Yeah. And sorry, I'll just go on on that point for a minute. It is, it is easy uh, or sorry, it is hard. It's difficult. Like it, it's work. It can be, but it also cannot be if you know how to do it. Like if you, if you practice it a little bit every day, if you take the time, like opportunities present themselves throughout your day, most people don't even realize them where you can ask a question to someone or you can listen a little bit more actively. And if, if you give those little pieces of information and, and those are just, they're win-wins all around for you because then people see you as more receptive. You're a more concerned, caring person, which you are in that moment because you're listening to them, right? They don't think, oh, this person's trying to gather data so they can convince me of something later, right? They, but you shouldn't approach that either. You're like, I'm listening to this person so that I can connect with them and they can connect with me in the future if we need to be on the same page with something can save us some time, be more efficient, more effective, et cetera, et cetera. But those, those opportunities present themselves all the time and people just, they kind of tune out. I think most of us are, are inclined, I'm going a little bit psychologically speaking now because that's part of my background, is we're inclined to save our cognitive energy and we interpret anything like actively trying to listen and understand someone, we're burning that cognitive energy. We're like, I might need this later. So I'm going to conserve this now. That's why people tune out in meetings and presentations. They're like, yeah, this doesn't apply to me. So I'm going to tune out and I'm going to save my cognitive energy because later I might need to solve a problem that I really need it and I'll be stuck, right? That's how human beings are wired for evolutionarily. So we need to kind of show them. We need to, to hack that system and show them, no, this is worth, this is valuable. This is worth you spending this now and far more than later. And if you get into the habit of it, then you develop that, if you want to call it like muscle memory. And your your you compound interest that just grows and grows and grows, and you'll be amazed at how well you understand people. You might be shocked at first, but over time you'll be amazed at how well you understand people and how your communication improves. You don't have to be the most articulate person in the world. You just have to understand what people are like, how they think, what incentivizes them, what makes them tick, and then yeah, you're off to the races. I mean, the sky's the limit once you understand that. Yeah, I like that very well put, actually. Um, if we, so this is very focused on people, I think. If we make it a bit abstract, all right, so more bigger picture, we look globally. So if we look at globally, there are lots of things happening in the world. I'm looking at the context of the world. So a lot of people are concerned about, I'll give a few examples. AI, how is this going to change the future of work? Energy transition, we're looking at that as well. The, the, we can see the, the geopolitics of the world is changing as well. We, are we moving away from a unipolar world where every you know, region sort of does their own thing in their own, in their own way? In that state of global uncertainty, leaders will have to adapt, once again, their message because they'll have to adapt the way they communicate because people's priorities, people's concerns are different. In that sense of uncertainty, it's more the context of higher uncertainty. Is there anything different people need to do when when communicating, given that heightened sense of uncertainty that we are? It's a, it's a phase, but we're going through globally right now. Yeah, it, it depends on 
It's a very difficult question. I would say, so one of the things you think about is, and I always look at communication like this. I look at two things. One, I run it through two filters. Before I communicate, before I send an email, before I speak. One, can this be improved? Can I make this more concise? Can I make this more clear? And then two, the second thing is, what what do they need to hear? Or what do I know about them that I can share, that I can connect with? Mm. And with those two, if we're talking broadly, then what they would connect with is something that you'd have to brought, widen that out to something that everyone can connect with. But uh, looking forward at our world, I mean, the, the truth of the matter is, if I send an email to you, um, and you're an I'm working for a company, and you're an external vendor, and I want to work with you, if I don't know anything about you, let's say, even though we're best friends now, Babs, um, if I don't know anything about you, the I'm thinking, okay, how is this going to be received? How is this going to land? And the truth is, it's going to, I could write it the best email in the world, the most happy, light, warm email. However you, whatever mood you're in, whatever's happening in your life when you receive it, that's how you interpret it. Okay. Um, th that's, that's the truth. So there is a degree of much to my dismay, there's a degree of you can't control everything, right? All you can do is increase the odds in your favor as much as possible. And you do that by, like I said, timing, word choice, understanding your audience. You add those elements in and you can bake those in. And there are some tips you can use. Like instead of when people respond to emails, they always, or people reply to emails, they're like, oh, thank you so much. And like, I always say, okay, put that at the end because people, people will remember the last thing you, you write or the last thing you say, not the first. So you want the last thing to be something that sticks with them. So I would say, oh, by the way, thank you so much for responding to this so promptly and hope you have a fantastic weekend, something like that. And then there, at the end, no matter what you said in the beginning, that's, that's the thing that sticks, right? Uh, the Gallup, Gallup polls uh, came up with this. They said they interviewed millions of people. They're sitting on so much data. And they came out with, at the end of a presentation or a speech, you know, what do people remember a day, two days, three days later, a week later? And they remember the most impactful moment for them. And then they rem remember the last thing that was said. That's the two things they remember. Everything else is kind of gets fuzzy and they don't really remember it. So when we know that now, people are like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, how can you apply that now and make your life better? How can you use that for yourself? Well, you can use that by making sure you have something impactful for the audience that you want them to take away and you tie it. So tie something that's important to them to something you want them to take away with. Tie that together so they get both of that and then make your last message prominent. Make it positive. Make them leave with you know high, thinking highly of you. Uh, that's typically what we want to say. But yeah, that's the truth. When we're communicating more broadly, it's really difficult to anticipate how the very the many people will take it and, and receive it. So you have to a little bit to some degree, you have to accept uh, this is the best we can do for now and yeah. offer them uh, time to clarify if they need it. But you know, you don't want to, I'm, a, I hate, and I'm using the word hate here. I really hate wasting time. And when I see people stew over staring at the same screen for like an hour before they click send, like it, it, it drives me nuts. It, you know, because it, it just, they don't, then they're like, oh, this isn't right, but I don't know what's wrong with it. It's okay. That hour you could have spent. And then at the end that, you know, they change a, an ah to a the, and they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I feel good now. It's like, okay. Yeah. You just wasted an hour. You could have spent on something else. So for me, 
I'm always like, you know what, make it as clear as you can in the time that you have. And then, you know, hit send and people understand people are human, right? So if there's an error or there's, it could have been phrased better, you know, you're improving, right? You're improving every time, every day. So as long as you have that growth, continuous improvement mindset, you'll be fine. You'll keep ascending. I like that. You're improving every day. <laughs> um, some of the greatest communicators uh, I've seen use stories. They use analogies a lot because um, it's you can explain really complex things in very succinct ways with a story. It might not be completely accurate because the story might lose some of the detail, but it, it hits home. Can, can you speak to that a little bit? The use of stories and analogies when communicating. Are there no-nos there? Is it like always a good thing to do? Yeah, for sure. For sure. That, that's, that's an easy one. Uh, so again, evolutionarily, and we have to think of it in these terms too. I know people don't, some people think like 2023, like human beings have only been around for 50 years. No, we've been around for hundreds of thousands of years. And we've only, if you think about it, we only started writing like a thousand years ago, or, or I think, it was, I think we started writing 2000 years ago, but uh, maybe a little bit before then, but we've been speaking forever. Like speaking, uh, like oral communication has been around forever. And when when people spoke back then, it wasn't to give instructions so much. It was more sharing stories. It was telling stories that came down. And that's how they explained the world, right? The ancient the ancient Greeks, you know, it was a thunderstorm. Oh, it's Zeus. He's, he's angry up there. Right? And, and they had these stories that explained how life was. And, and that's how knowledge got passed down in a lot of cultures and a lot of religions all over the world. And we are the offspring of that, right? Like we, that's where we came from and our brains, our minds have not advanced. They've not evolved to accommodate this modern world as, as quickly as life's changed. Our technology has improved much more quickly, right? Like you think about for thousands and thousands of years, people walked and ran everywhere or rode horses. And then in the last, you know, hundred years, now there's electric cars and now they're talking about making an Uber plane that is, you know, pilotless. It's like, what, what is happening? We've just advanced so fast, right? So stories uh, connect with our brain innately. When humans hear stories, when we hear once upon a time, or when we hear, there's an adult way of saying that too, by the way, for those of you looking to start a speech or a presentation, it's, um, you know, back in 2007. And when people hear that, when they hear a year, they turn their ears perk up and they're like, yeah, I'm in, what's happening here, right? We, we were trained almost, and it's reinforcing our children too. We read the children's stories or they're read to us as children. So stories, they resonate more with us. They get instant reception. But the key is you need to connect it. Like it has to, if you're going to use an analogy or a metaphor, it does have to relate. You got to make sure there's no glaring holes in it. Um, yeah, I, I have a couple of examples. I don't know if I should share at this point. But some people use an analogy and, and they're like, yeah, and then this person did X, Y, and Z, and they went on to achieve that. And I'm thinking here, yeah, and then that, that person died. Uh, so that's that's probably not, not a good model you want to set for people. Um, but, you know, things like that. If you can f tie or if you can connect uh, a, a model of someone up or a metaphor or a story to the main message you want them to take home, it'll be much more – it'll be much higher received. You just have to make sure – that, like I said, give some thought to it. And that's probably the biggest thing with stories. Stories are great, but a lot of folks don't give thought to it. They don't, they don't really think about, is there a story or is there an analogy or a metaphor I could use here that'll help increase the audience understanding? They just go and say it how it is. Because Babs, what I've learned is so many people are, they're so busy. 
they have so many things going on in their lives. I mean, especially here in the West, like I'm in right now I'm in Toronto, but I'm in New York a lot. I'm in uh, Chicago, Detroit. And when I'm in, in Boston, when I'm in these areas, it's busy. It's move, move, move. And the companies, they have so much to do that the, the last thing the leader or whoever is, who's about to communicate, the last thing they have give thought to is, oh, is there a story I could use here that'll help connect with this? Right? I mean, the great ones do because they understand the value of it and they'll take time you know, before they go to bed at night thinking about it. Yeah, I wonder if I can use something. But a lot of people are thinking, oh, I got this, I got to negotiate this deal. I got to close this. I got to, you know, hire a new person here. I got to sign off on this merger or whatever. They have so much things to do, so many things to do that a story is not, is not top of mind. But for those that are really great, those that are truly great, they develop this habit of integrating them second nature. Doesn't, uh, totally agree. Totally agree. I think uh, you tell me. When stories are well said and well put together, they they leave them even they can be even simple things, even a simple phrase. I think there's one phrase that comes to mind: "Don't boil the ocean." Um, it sounds so so silly, but you 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 understand what what it means very quickly. Okay, that's it. We're, we're going too far here. Focus on what's really important, like you said. Focus on what you can control. Do the best you can, step by step. You know? so, so I think I, I really like it. Um, it would be good to know a little bit more about the work you do. So I think you've already mentioned that you're you're a professor of communication, but I also know that you you coach presenters. So it'd be good to talk a little bit about your work. You probably have multiple roles beyond what I've just mentioned as well. So it'd be good for the audience to know more about Ryan. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And sorry, one that sprang to mind just as you said, you you can't boil the ocean. And I I use this. I quite I actually used this uh, yesterday working with a company. And they wanted, excuse me, they wanted to make all these changes while production was still happening. They wanted to start swapping and like change the whole procedure. And I was having like my first, you know, sometimes it happens. The first time you explain something, it doesn't get through. Someone's not listening there. So finally I had to say to him, I said, listen, we cannot change a tire on a moving car. Okay. Like we have to stop this right now. Like it's not going to work. Right. And then he, that landed. He was, his eyes, you could tell it like, mm. and then. You know, I'm going to have to find out on Monday um, what the next steps are, how well he took that. But yeah, that's that's another one of those because people instantly get it. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, or at least it gives them cause to slow down their thought process and, and actually think about it. Right. But um, yeah. So as for my roles, I I am an executive trainer and a coach. So what that means is I, I did initially uh, way back in the day. I talked 10 plus years ago. I'm an old man now. But I, I was a present a presentation trainer and a communication coach. I did a lot of that. And then what I've learned is over the years is I can give I can give professionals the best language advice, the best tools. I can write the script for them. I can design their slides for them. I can do everything for them. And at the end of the day, if they don't see it, like if they don't, if they are stuck on that one approach or that one style, that one communication style, that one way. I can give them the best tools in the world and it's not going to help them. Like they need to, uh, I've evolved now myself and I, what I do, a lot of the training I do is more, I help people see the bigger picture and I help them mm -hmm. understand like this is the, the expand their perspectives or some people call it enriching their perspectives because there's more than one tool in the toolbox, right? Like we're going to, we're talking about analogies now. You got me going, but if, um, if your only tool is a hammer, then you see every problem as a nail. Right. People say that all the time. 
and it's it's very it applies applies really well. And in this situation, so I I learned that early on. I would help people. I'd help startup companies pitch for investment. I'd help leaders who are in growing companies. The founders would eventually become leaders, and I'd help them uh, speak to their teams and communicate with them. And then over time, it became it shifted a little bit, and I used more of my psycholo- uh, my psychology background and more of my interpersonal skills to and my business background to help them understand where are we going and and why are we going there right do your actions do your priorities align with your goals or are you just doing it on autopilot and how do we separate the two right how do you get the most out of your day so those types of questions is uh that's the nature of the work i do now with executives i help them i would say i help them get the most out of their time get the most out of themselves get the most out of their team sounds like a very exciting role i have to say you get to work with lots of interesting people. Yeah, it, it changes, and, and I get to travel, which I, I really enjoy traveling. So I get to, to move around a lot, and I get to meet a lot of folks. And I get to speak a lot, as you can tell. I'm a, I'm a big fan of of speaking. Uh, I actually do. That's another thing that I do. I deliver a keynote speech for keynote speeches for events and for for conferences. I'm really I really enjoy that as well. So, yeah, training, coaching, speaking. I do a little bit of advising and consulting, but but more so. Yeah, the the actual coaching. That's that's what I like to do. I like to help people. Well, nice. I think I'll, I'll put your details in the show notes. So anyone watching, listening, can reach out. I think that would be great. Um, just in closing, I think I want to pick on something you said at the while we're discussing now. That people remember what you say at the end. <laughs> yeah. So, what's the closing phrase you like for this conversation that people for people to remember? So I'm thinking about what's the most value I can give people. And I think in my experience, majority of the people, they have this default mindset of this is, this is what I am. This is how I am. I'm just, I've never been good at writing. I've never been good at X. I've never been good at Y. And they think about it. It's like you buy a car. This is my car. And my, you know, my car's never been able to turn around this corner fast so it'll never be able to right that's that's how they view themselves but we are not vehicles we're not machines and we call that a fixed mindset right you are capable of far more than you think you are you just haven't found the way you learn best yet and the way you acquire skill and the way you develop fastest okay most people out there are not conducive to the style of someone lecturing telling them what to do and then they can apply it and oh they achieve success that's like 15% of people. Okay. So in a, a classroom of 20 people, that's like two and a half, that's three people in that classroom that were actually could succeed like that. The vast majority had to find alternatives to learn, right? And that's you. So if you were not top of the class in school, it doesn't mean that you're stupid. It doesn't mean that you were lazy. It means that the information, the knowledge that was delivered to you wasn't delivered in the best way for you. Okay, so you are totally capable of improving yourself, improving your circumstances and achieving the lifestyle you want. You just have to understand, you have to learn about yourself. So take the time to reflect and to learn about yourself because I'm a firm believer. I've seen it many, many times that anyone, people achieve remarkable, unthinkable feats. Okay, and they don't start out with that goal. So the whole goal setting thing, I'm a little bit hit and miss on. But the main takeaway message here is that and with you, for the, those of you listening out there, you can do it. Like you can change your stars. You can change your life. You can change. You can improve as much as you want. Just learn about yourself.
Brilliant. Um, Ryan, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate those words of wisdom. Um, definitely will stay in touch. Thank you. Thanks for making time for this. Thank you. Oh, thank you for having me, Babs. It was a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to my conversation with Ryan. If you'd like to connect with Ryan, check the show notes to find details. This conversation has definitely reminded me of the importance of understanding your audience. Now, if this episode was of value to you, please consider leaving a review wherever you get your podcasts. Leaving a review is the absolute best way to support the podcast and ensure I continue to have great guests just like Ryan on the show. You can tune in on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Audible, the Changing website, and many more platforms. To continue the conversation, please connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your day and see you next time.